It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to the Giants huddle podcast. My name is John Schmelk. Today's guest is former NFL scout Brian Broadus. Before we get to Brian, want to remind everybody you can find the Giants huddle podcast on Giants.com slash podcast, your favorite podcast platforms, and on the Giants mobile app. And as a reminder, if you like our draft coverage, our new podcast, Draft season featuring myself, Tony Pauline, and Eric Crocker is no longer on your Giants huddle feed, so go subscribe to it on its own separate podcast feed. It's called Draft Season. Make sure you go check that out. So for those of you who've been following our coverage, we've had a lot of people on talking draft. We do some analytics. We do some modern stuff, you know, forward-thinking things. So I figured I need to change this up and get the crustiest old scout I could find and get him on the show. Uh, He's a former Super Bowl champion with the Packers, I believe, uh, he's been credited with discovering Bart Starr back in the back in the fifties. <laughs> he is Brian yeah. Broadus, who's a host with the uh, G Bag Nation on one hundred five point three, the Fan down in Dallas. Former NFL scout for the Packers, Dallas Cowboys, among others. Good buddy of mine. I just like chopping it up with him. It's always a fun uh, forty-five minutes or so when we do this before the draft every year. Brian, it's good to talk to you, man. How are you? John, it's good to talk to you. You know, I mean, I think you go back to me. You and I were like doing these. Uh, these talks before there was even podcasts and stuff. So yeah. if, if I'm crusty, I think my, my host here is a little crusty too, but absolutely love talking the draft with you. Um, I always learn a lot about, uh, about uh, division opponents as well. That's something that always serves me. So uh, thank you for uh, having me on this time. Yeah, absolutely. We were rubbing elbows before they moved all those combine player interviews in the convention yes. center when it was in that little room at the RCA dome, right? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. All right. So let's start here. And I think this is an interesting place to start. The Cowboys, obviously, and, and that's kind of your focus, but you do the whole draft. As you told me before we started, you've watched almost 180 players now. How, if you're the Giants situation and you have Andrew Thomas and you're happy with him at left tackle, you're going to stick him there, right? And you're looking for a guy you want to plug and play at right tackle. How would you, former NFL scout Brian Broadus, look at the top three guys in this class? Neil Iquani and Cross, if you're looking for a guy to plug and play at a right tackle? You know, I think the guy at right tackle that would probably make the most sense would be Neil to I me. I know, and I know he played left tackle at, uh, at Alabama and stuff like that. But, you know, to me, you watch, you know, his physical presence, the mass, the size, you know, maybe a little bit better suited to play over there. I think when you look at the other two, uh, Cross and Ikwamu, they're they're a little bit more of a little bit better foot athlete, you know. So you know, but the, to me, John, you know, all three of those guys, and it, it's funny because I always used to say this: it's like, you know, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? You know, I mean, your Rocky Road is my mint chocolate chip, and but you know, we're seeing the same. We both like ice cream, you know what I'm saying? So I, I think that with you know, when you look at those players. There's certain traits that you have. Now, to me, when I look at Cross from Mississippi State, I see a young Tyrant Smith, you know, and that's that's kind of where my focus is because it's the Cowboys and the Cowboys bring Cross in on a 30 visit, and I'm starting to wonder, whoa, 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 what are we doing here? Is there something I'm missing about Cross? Is You know, to me, everything was about – I never saw any mock drafts where he wasn't in the top – 10 if all those tackles were just however order you wanted to put them in but I, I think if to, to your to your question you know I think Neil would be the one guy that I would put at the right tackle spot 
But I'll tell you what, man, I do honestly, and I hate riding fences because I don't like it at all. I, I, I would take any one of those kids. I really, really, really do think that any one of those kids could plug and play and you'd have a long time offensive tackle. Now, Brian, I'm with you, and I think Cross is actually the best pass protector of the three, to be honest with you. Yeah. So I think if you're looking for starting left tackle, for me, he's my guy at that yeah. spot. And I think Aquanu's the guy where, all right, well, if he fouls out a tackle, I feel most comfortable putting him in a guard. Like, I can right. see him being a dominant guard. So I do think that is very much of what are you looking for in your player is going right. to impact on, on, on who you draft. Trayvon Walker, I've been I've, – everyone that's come on, Ooh. I've talked to him about this. I had a debate with – Daniel Jeremiah at the combine about this too. And he, he was on Walker before everyone else. He loves him. And dude, I don't see it. <laughs> I watched the yeah. tape. You barely get any snaps where he's even lined up as an edge guy. I get the size. I get the athleticism. You see the athleticism on tape, but pass rushing is a skill too. Right. And yeah. I'm going to have trouble picking him over a cave on Thibodeau. I'm even going to struggle picking him over Jermaine Johnson, who I've seen be productive on the edge and get sacks at a high level in college. Give me the scouts perspective. Why is everyone all over Trayvon Walker, please? Yeah. And I'll throw another guy on there. You know, I do a lot of work with Dane Brugler, you know, oh, who works the with the athletic and, you know, and Dane was on him from the jump. I mean, Dane, then Daniel Jeremiah and these guys and, you know, it's funny because when you when I talk to my old other crusty buddies that are still in the league doing this, they're kind of like, you know, I mean, I know there was a lot of these mock drafts. And again, focusing on Dallas, myself at 24, you know, I'm thinking Walker was a name that was constantly there at Dallas, constantly. Boom, boom, boom. And then all of a sudden I see mock drafts where he's like the 16th best guy. And then I'm like, well, then the next thing he's like at the Lions at two, Bucky <laughs> Brooks is putting him at one, and I'm going, whoa, 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 guys, what are we, what are we doing here? Are we pumping air into a guy that, for some reason, has all of a sudden miraculously become better than Hutchinson at Michigan or Thibodeau at Oregon or any of these guys? And you're right about like Johnson and guys like that. Now I, I am Walker myself. I mean, he's always been. Like the him and Karloftis have always been that yeah. guy for me. That's you know, there's a difference, and I you know, I I, I respect Walker. I mean, you can throw the Georgia tape on. You can draft any one of those Georgia players, the linebackers, the defensive tackles, and stuff like that. But I mean, I kind of feel like the the best trait that Walker has is his ability to run, his ability to chase, his ability to make plays from the backside. You see in nickel packages and stuff where they put him at the nose just as a three-man line just to try and get some quickness as a rusher. Now, you're telling me one of your best pass rushers, they're kicking inside at nose? Maybe they're looking at matchups? I, you know, I don't know. But this the rise of Trayvon Walker to where he is now is simply amazing. And I don't know. I haven't had any of my crusties say, Hey man, if you're taking a look at that Walker kid from, you know, usually they'll remind you of like, and they did it with Johnson with me from Florida state. They said, Hey, listen, there's some things you're going to really, really like about this kid. And there's going to be some things you don't like, but again, a kid that transferred from Georgia to Florida state in order to, to have to make, you know, to, to get you know playing time and stuff like that. But this, why this rise on Walker has been amazing to me.
No, I'm with you. I, I, I think it's I think it's fascinating. Who else would you consider, Brian, in your top blue chip group? As we talked last year, and you know, even you take the quarterbacks out of the mix, right? I had Slater, Sewell, the two corners, yeah. the three wideouts. They're all in that blue chip group, right? This right. year, I'm struggling to get to five when I'm talking true blue chippers. Yeah. How many true blue chippers do you have in this class? Yeah, I, you know, I think that you're, I think, you know, we mentioned about those offensive tackles. I think there's all some kinds of faults along the way. The only quarterback I have personally is I have Corral as my number one quarterback. He's my only first round quarterback. How high do you have in that first round? You know, it, it's one of those things. I mentioned those tackles. I think there's a couple of those wide receivers that I would absolutely take. I, I'm a big Jamison Williams fan from Alabama. Yeah, me too. He's and, my number one. And, and I, I love Wilson from Ohio State. Burks is a little bit of a different cat. You know, I mean, what's interesting is Burks is kind of a four-five-two guy uh, speed-wise. But then you start to think in this day and age of how players are being used. Now, again, I – you know, your head coach has creativity in the way he uses players. We saw that at Buffalo. My coach here at Dallas, Kellen Moore, I don't know if he has the creativity to use a guy like Burks, but as a player. Now, again, Thibodeau, Hutchinson, I really do think that if you talk about Sauce Gardner would be the other one that I would, the cornerback. I mean, and I'll give you a little hint because I'm an LSU man and I have connections down there about Stingley. Stingley, the questions that pro scouts have about Stingley and they're asking people in Baton Rouge about is, does he really, really love football? They'll tell you he loves football, but he's not an alpha male guy. So he needs a big brother. He needs somebody that can put his arm around him, you know, and that's why I kind of target, look at Minnesota there, right? That, yeah, like Peterson, that, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, you get Patrick Peterson there at Minnesota to kind of put an arm around him. So Minnesota might be a team, if you're mock drafting, they think about Stingley, a team that needs a corner. But you're right. I've got just 20 first-round grades on my board. That's it. You know, and I usually, there might be some drafts, there might be 22, 23, maybe 25 names. But this year, with the really the lack of quarterbacks, I think that people are kind of sleeping on Linderbaum myself. He's not for everybody, but I know the deficiencies that he has. I trust him more. And again, looking from a Dallas perspective, I trust him more than I trust those two guards, Green from Texas A&M, Zion Johnson from Boston College. I think that I think that's a great transition here, Brian. So let, let's talk about that, because I think with Linderbaum first, it's yeah. a traits versus tape conversation, right? right? So talk about as a scout, when you send in your report and your you know draft meetings are starting here, you know, with the Giants this weekend. And right. you're sitting there and you're trying to sell your GM. You're trying to sell your coaches on a player. How do you guys balance out the traits, which with Linderbaum, not great with tape, which with Linderbaum, awesome. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a really good question because to me, you know, in, we laughed about the crustiness of me as a scout been doing this since 1992 you know, I would have never in my wildest dreams, John, and, and you know this too from, you know, you with the Bill Parcells and things like that, you understand that even Coughlin with what he did, you know, this is a big man's game. And then all of a sudden we started drafting Kyler Murray, you know, at, at quarterback. In my day, Kyler Murray would have never, ever, ever got a snip, would have never been the first overall player. You know, maybe even, you know, it was, I remember when Michael Vick was coming in and it was like, well, man, the guy can move. Can he throw? Can he, you know, all these kinds of things. 
And you can kind of say the same thing about, you know, as a scout, you know, you have to like, okay, my history tells me I've played with huge centers. I mean, the Giants. Well, you know, Warren, by the history. way, heck, how about Charlie Ward in the early 90s, right? Oh, no, like, there's no question. No question. See, that's what I'm saying. They're these, they're these shorter players that, you know, you look at him, uh, Roquan Smith. You look at these guys and you're like, no way. Uh, uh, Dean in this yep. draft, the linebacker from Georgia, he's 5'11", 4". He's almost he's six foot. And you're thinking like, man, he's a first-round guy. And you're like, you know, the old scout's going, man, I don't know. Lloyd is taller from Utah. He's 6'3". But to, to, your, to your question, you know, with Linderbaum, I've never in all my years of scouting – seen a player that's traits deficient as him that plays as well as he does on tape. There are guys in history that haven't run particularly well. Wide receivers that, you know, Larry Fitzgerald didn't run particularly well coming out of pit, but he has a Hall of Fame type career, you know. So those are the types of things you, you know, when you're selling these players and selling a guy like Linderbaum, you're saying, okay, there's some smaller centers that have played in this league. And they've had some success. But, man, Linderbaum, when you start to talk about with the scouts, that the range where he could be picked is either in the top, you know, top 15 or he could be all the way down to the bottom of the board. You know, there's that range. And he's not for everybody. But if you watch, as you go in and try and sell him, you're selling tape. You really are. You're not selling short arms and, and, and undersized and lack weight and all that. You're selling him, cutting defenses in half, getting to the second level, scoop block, reach block, three technique, wide technique guys. You're showing that on tape, and your guys are like going, oh, I get it. You know, he is, he, you know, you, the Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma was a player that was drafted, you know, Kansas State, left-handed center, massive guy, big guy. Everybody's like, oh, I want more of those Creed Humphrey guys. Linderbaum is not for everybody, but man, when you watch the tape, it's pretty impressive. It is. All right. So let, let's talk about the two guards then Zion Johnson and green. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm not as big on green as everyone else. I just, sure. I don't think he moves that well, Brian. I, I just don't think he's, he's that great of a mover. He's powerful. And I think, right. you know, in pass pro, he can get into some trouble. You know, I'm curious why you don't have a first round grade on Zion Johnson. And, and I'll give you my evaluation I think he's an extremely safe player. Like I don't see any scenario where Zion Johnson fails. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if I see the, the raw power where I think he's going to be a, a, a pro bowl, all pro type player. But if I know late in the first round, that I'm going to get a guy that's going to be a good starting guard for me for 12 years. He's not going to have any MEs. Uh, he's going to be a good guy in the locker room. He's can maybe even play center for you. If you need him, he did that at the senior bowl. To me, that is a, in this draft class especially, that's a really safe, you know, pick between 20 and 30 that you're going to go home and you're going to feel good about for a long time. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like, though, to me, and I'm probably going to die, I'm probably going to die on the Zion Johnson hill. <laughs> you know, and because I, I, to me, I was curious, and, and again, if you go back, and, and there's some really, really smart people in this, this draft that cover the draft, and there's a guy, Bruce Feldman, that writes for The Athletic, and I encourage folks, if you're really interested, you have a subscription and you can find it. Bruce did a mock draft of talking, uh, but Bruce is tied into college coaches, not pro coaches or pro scouts. 
he did a mock draft and he did it and then but he got comments about from opponents of these players and Zion Johnson went in that mock draft to 23 to Arizona right ahead of the Cowboys and so the comments that were made by college coaches is like really telling to some of the things where you're thinking like huh maybe this guy does have it made me feel a little bit better about a player that I don't think he fully trusts himself. I think there's times when you, when there's like, there's a little bit of a hesitation getting into his guy. Is there a little bit of that? Did he, did he see that the right way? You know, and if you go back and you look at some of those comments, those college coaches made of the opponents, it was like, does he always see things? Well, does the the run-throughs happen? Does he miss things that he should have seen? Is the awareness really, really there? But, you know, I, I'm willing to die on that hill. You know, and Dallas could very well take him, like I said. Green, Zion Johnson, both guys in for 30 visits. Dallas has a, a glaring need at right, or excuse me, at left guard. So, yeah, does it make a lot of sense? I personally, you know, you, you mentioned about with Green, I think he has a little bit better feel than what Zion Johnson has. You see him passing stunts and twists and things, and you're watching the tape. They're playing, you know, they're playing Alabama. They're playing these, uh, the old misses. They're playing an SEC schedule at Texas A&M, and you're seeing him play tackle against Alabama and guard against LSU. And, you know, so you're seeing all these things, and you're kind of like going, okay, to me, he's a much better guard. But the things like I could say, I mean, the, the comparisons with him and Zion Johnson, I mean, the tags are touching – but, man, I just feel so much better, you know, so much better if you said plug and play, boom, this guy. And, and again, I could be really, really wrong about Zion Johnson. I just don't have him in my top 20 guys uh, in, my, in my board. Uh, could he be 22nd, 23rd, 24th when I stack it? We'll see. But I just – there's that little bit of that, that question mark about him as a player. And the same question marks about – a little bit about Green from Texas A&M. No, I think that's fair. Let's stick on, on this on this topic here. This is a big draft, Brian, and we have this every year, right? We're in the second and third round, fourth round. A bunch of guys that played offensive tackle in college. I don't have the athleticism yeah. to play offensive tackle in the pros. You're going to move them into guard. Um, right. I had Matt Maticharian, who's a former NFL scout on last week, and we were chatting about this, and he says, I'm always careful about – just assuming you can reduce yeah. the tackle into guard. It's a, you know, things happen quicker in there. It's a, it's a really a different position. So as right. a scout, what do you look for when you look at these tackles, you know, Kennard, Salyer, the Ryan kid from uh, UCLA, these are all guys, they play tackle, right? What do you right. look for to make you believe that they will be successful moving into guard? Yeah. I think you mentioned it. Uh, Salyer is one of those kids. I really, really like a yeah, lot. Me too. And, because, but the thing about it is, like you mentioned, Sawyer, Ryan, these guys played left tackle in college, you know? So you're thinking like, okay, footwork is going to be key there. Uh, vision, how they see, how they set, how they block, how they get away from the line. You know, those are the kinds of things, you know, your, your scout buddy is absolutely right. You know, things happen a lot quicker, but it's in a small confined space, you know? You see some of these guys get exposed out on the edge. And then all of a sudden, you know, I don't mean to bring up something, you know, troubling to giant fans of the day, but Flowers, yep. you know, you look at, you know, you look at once he moved from tackle to guard, you really did see a different player. 
Eric Flowers was a much better player inside than he was on the outside. You know, and sometimes you're like going because they get exposed out there. The movement exposes them a little bit. And I think with these guys, the first thing you got to think about is, is there enough bulk? Is there enough bulk to move? I mean, sometimes you talk about moving guys and maybe a guy's too big. You know, Sean Ryan is a a 321 pound guy. Sawyer from Georgia, same thing, 321 pound guy. But see, that's 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 where you you know you look at you know you look at the Sawyer. You go back and say you watch, just go back and watch the Michigan game in the in the in the playoffs. You know, with you know with the two rush ends that Michigan has, he's not giving up anything. You know, you're sitting there going, oh, well, hell, maybe this guy can play tackle. But projecting him inside, it's the power. You know, the thing. You know, I, I've always been. Ta- I was taught that the tackles were responsible for the width of the pocket. The guards and centers are responsible for the depth of the pocket. When you get guys, big guys like the Ryan and Sawyer, those guys, and they don't get knocked back, and you don't see them get walked back, then you know. Then you know. I think that there's another guy too, and and, and this is a guy at Georgia, another guard that, that plays next to. Is this Justin Schaefer? I don't know if you've seen him play at a all. Bit. Yeah, but you know, I mean, I like him personally as a true as a true guard. There, I think he's a mean kind of a nasty guy. But the projection of those guys moving inside again—it's about bulk, it's about power, and it because that's where you're going to live. That's where you're going to, and you're going to have to be able to be a good enough foot athlete when you do the scoops, the reaches, the combo blocks, and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't want to spend the whole whole time here on the O line, but I do want to ask you about that next group of tackles. We talked yeah. about the top three. I think Penning's a, a a pretty comfortable top twenty player too. Sure. If you're the, let's say somehow and you're the Giants, you strike out at five and seven on offensive tackle. I don't think that's going to happen. But let's just I, I like to put the worst case scenario out for fans just so they're kind of prepared for it. Let's say you whiff, you don't get any of those three guys for whatever reason. You get to thirty six. Do you feel good enough about any of these? tier two tackles that you feel good about them at 36 because I go through all these guys, Brian Ryman. Eh, I worry about the yeah. Washington state kids power, you know, yeah. Lele, he's just so big. I, I don't yeah. know. Do you uh, Tyler Smith? I think's a guard, you know, you watch him yeah. play Cincinnati, a tackle. He's yeah. a mess. So yeah. I don't feel great about any of these second tier tackles or I can bring them in, put them in and, and, and feel good about them. Yeah, I think the thing about when you start to talk about uh, uh, Ryman and, uh, and 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 what he's been able to to do and what he's been able to accomplish and stuff like that, I mean, converted tight end, you know. But I, I'm going to be real honest with you and real honest with your listeners. I'm the worst guy in the world to ask about the the tackle that lacks power. Okay, and you mentioned Lucas from Washington State because I've yet to be right on a Colton Miller from UCLA that the Raiders took. Petit Freer is another guy, right? The uh, kid from Ohio State. Yeah, Petit Freer is another guy. Petit Freer. Yeah, Yeah. I give me when I see power and guys sitting down, and I'm like, yes, that's that's what I want. But I've yet to be right about one of these tackles. And I, and I mentioned, I mentioned Colton Miller. I could go back to David Bakhtiari. I could even talk about Nate Soldar. You know, I could, I could even, you know, these are guys you, 
I'm like, no power, no power, no power, no power. And all of a sudden they play in the league for 20 years, you know, and, I, and you're like going, well, damn, I was wrong about him again. I think that's where you're worried right now. I think that's where, and I, I'm worried about it too, but what's going to happen. I'm, I'm a little bit more, I'm a little bit more understanding now about an Abraham Lucas. I'm, I'm a little bit more like, okay, really good feet. You know, I watched him play against, uh, you know, against Jackson from against USC, who everybody's talking about as an edge rusher and all that. And I'm watching him hold his own and I'm going, well, you know, maybe this guy can play, but you're, you're absolutely right. There's, there's, there's doubts in all these players, but I, I know my phobia is there's not strong. I shouldn't <laughs> like them, but they're probably going to play a long time. Unless you're Andre Dillard, in which case that, that doesn't happen. That is, that's that, that is now I'll tell you what with <laughs> Dillard, I really, really thought Dillard was going to be, I mean, really good foot athlete. I was, yeah. I'm shocked that he, I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's more of a lack of toughness there than there is a lack of anything else. No, yeah, I've, I've, I've heard that same thing talking to some guys down there in Philly. Yeah. How about interior linemen, Brian? Two, three, four, centers, guards. Who are some of the guys that, that you like as the Giants try to, you know, build up this offensive line a little bit that you think could be center guard options in, in rounds two, three, four? I'll tell you what, man, I am a huge, huge fan. And we talked about the guys like Linderbaum and stuff like that. I kind of feel like there's a drop off at center. But if you if you haven't watched this Luke Fortner from Kentucky. I actually watched him versus Georgia this morning. He did. That, nice there job. you go. That, now, OK, it's not perfect. It's not pretty. But you can watch those Georgia guys dominate centers and guards inside. He was anchoring versus Jordan Davis. I was pretty impressed. Exactly. 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 This guy's 6'4", 307 on the weight, the height, all that. But you talk about a guy that was – he his attitude in the Georgia game was, you're going to have to run over me to get to the ball. And But you watch him play against Georgia, and he's holding his own. You watch him against Missouri, and he's a dominant player. So I, I, I was super, super impressed with, uh, you know, with that kind of, uh, that kind of play, uh, you know, you mentioned all these, these guards and stuff like that. I I'll say this though, too. One more thing about the center. I know people have talked about like, you know, Cam Jurgens and Parham and guys like that. I, I am not as, I am not as high on a, a, a Parham. I, I'll be interested to see. I'm glad his weight went up because you watched him play at Memphis during the season. He looked like a smaller guy. Is he a pumped up guy that's just, you know, going to have trouble carrying that weight and playing that well? I mean, I watched him against Logan. Yeah, I watched him against, yeah, I watched him against Logan Hall from the defensive tackle from uh, Houston, who's a really long, tall guy. And so he held his own playing with leverage and all that stuff. So I think there's a couple of those centers you would be really, really happy about. Uh, there's a kid, you know, there's a kid named Smith from Virginia Tech that I kind of have a little bit in that range of that third round. I mean, he, he's a just a super powerful guy. And I felt like, though, if you wanted a guy that was really good in the run game, but maybe you could develop as a pa as a pass protector, uh, you know, that might be an opportunity. I'm not sold on the guys like the Cole Stranges and people like that from Tennessee Chattanooga. I'm going to let somebody else be a hero drafting that that particular player. 
Don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. How big of a job, Brian, do you think, and let's jump to the skill position guys now, how big of a jump is it for you from that top two, three wide receivers to like the seventh and eighth receivers, like the Sky Moors, the Pickens, the, you know, guys like that. For me, like, would it shock me at the end of the day if Sky Moore has just as good of an NFL career as Chris Olave? I wouldn't like fall off my chair, be shocked by it. So how much of a drop, you know, so if the Giants are sitting there, you know, how much should they prioritize that position or can they wait? Say what I don't know if you have the elite players, you know, up at the top of the wide receiver board like we've seen in the past. I will say this: I think the depth of it does stretch. I am a big fan of Pickens from Georgia. I, I think that is a playmaker extraordinaire right there. I the traits, the strong hands, you know, the run after catch. I really do. I, I like him. Dotson from Penn State, you know, you see him make a lot of plays. You mentioned Sky Moore. Sky Moore was the one I thought, this guy, okay, when I watched him initially, I was like, huh, maybe slot only type guy. But no, he's a better player than slot only. The more tape that you watch, you see plays on the outside. You see plays on the inside. He's a really, really good route runner. He finishes with the ball in his hands. I'll tell you another one, too, is this kid Pierce from uh, Cincinnati. And I'll tell you, the reason, you know, I I really like him is just because when you start to talk about length and, you you know, you talk about ability to make these guys have to go and play. Alec Pierce is is his name from Cincinnati. He's 6'3", he's 2'11", body control, balance, tracking, all these things, big, tall guy running routes sideline, red zone, going up and getting footballs. You know, it doesn't matter where the ball's thrown. And again, when you're evaluating that quarterback, Ritter, you're, you're like, you know, throw after throw after throw. Who's it going to? It's going to this Alec Pierce kid from Cincinnati, and he's making a ton of plays. So if the Giants or the Cowboys or anybody needs receivers, I think that this thing stretches pretty good for them in that second, third, fourth round if they really want to go that route. No, I'm, I'm with you 100%. How about the tight end class, Brian? I don't think I would draft if I'm a GM, much like if, if I'm a GM, I'm not drafting a quarterback in this class in the first round. I know you have crowd oh, there. Yeah. I don't. I'm just I'm just not worth taking the, the risk for me. For tight ends, I'm not pulling a, the trigger on any of these guys in the first two rounds. I would start considering in round three. Who are some of the guys that you really like? I, I like the Kohler kid from Ohio State. I think he can do a little yeah. bit of everything. I think he's a real versatile guy. Ruckert from Ohio State, I think, might get pushed down because of the injury. He could get good value there as a two-way guy. Who are some of the guys you like at tight end that could be a late Did you watch three? the UCLA I kid think. at all? What's that? Did you watch he- Greg Dolchitz, I think is how you say his name? Yeah, he's, you know, he's a real long kid. He can get down the yeah. seam a little bit. Uh, yeah. He's interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's one of my guys I really, really like. You know, it's 6'4", 243 pounds. I think that you could play him at a couple of different spots. And I know when I say that again to Giant fans, they're thinking, oh, geez, Evan Ingram, play a couple of different spots. Don't block. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, I get it. But this guy could play in line. He could play as a wing. You could flex him. 
the movement skills are really, really good as an athlete. I'm a, I'm a really big fan of his. I watched him against my school, against LSU. I mean, the first touchdown of the game, they throw it to him on a crossing route, and he just takes it to the house. I mean, there's that explosive finish to him. I kind of feel like I totally agree with you about the about Kohler. I really, really also – I mean, the thing I like about Kohler is the more I think about it, here's a guy that's 6'7", 256, right? Okay, when you watch him play, he extends for balls – defenders are hitting him in the wrists, in the forearm. They can't get to the ball because of his way of extending for the ball. So you have a couple of different guys like that. I mean, you mentioned McBride. He's a 6'4 guy. Uh, Cade Otten, I really, really like out of Washington. I think he got a little banged up in some games this year. But, man, you talk about a super productive player. Keep an eye on another 6'7 guy. There's a kid named Cole Turner from Nevada, who makes a ton of plays. Again, you're watching their quarterback strong. You're watching him throw the ball. Who's he throwing the ball to? This number 19, Cole Turner, is making a ton of plays. So, I mean, when, when you know, here's a guy with the ball. So he's not fighting it. Sometimes you get these tight ends fight the ball and stuff. A lot of these guys catch it pretty smooth. The kid Woods at Virginia is another one. He's going to probably go. I wouldn't be surprised if Woods from Virginia is the first tight end that goes off the board myself. Yeah, with his testing, that wouldn't, you know, if teams are looking for an upside pick and that's what teams usually try to go for, I think Woods, I agree. I think that might be a guy that could could go early. Second group of corners, Brian, after you get past uh, Stingley and Sauce, is, is this much like we talk about? You know, with with the flavor of ice cream, right? Are you looking for a big yeah. corner? You're looking for a slot guy. If yeah. the Giants don't get sauce at five or seven, and they're looking for a corner at, at 36, who are some of the guys you'll be keeping an eye on? Yeah, I, I think I actually think this is a really, really, really good. I mean, there's 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 some depending on what you want to do in that in that day. I know Andrew Booth is a guy that a lot of people are talking about out of Clemson. Well, Brian, I can tell you, Wink Wink wants long, fast press corner. So. Okay. Yeah. That is part okay. of the deal, I guess. Okay. Well then if that, if that's the case, then, I mean, like I said, you're going to, you're going to end up picking that Cincinnati kid in the first round. But yeah, you know, I mean, but there, there are some guys, like I said, that to me, when you, when you go through the list, they're all kind of in that six foot five eleven. And I mean, there's some guys down the board. I'll give you a name of a guy that I think is really an interesting player. Is, and, and I don't know if you've taken a look at it, but you talk about long, rangy, and can run. This is Zion McCollum kid from Sam Houston. Now, again, the, the Giants, like in the history, I might be wrong about this. The Giants were always about big school guys. Sam Houston, probably not, you know, uh, something that the, the Giants would look at. But again, you're talking about a guy that can really, really run. He's 6'2", he's 199 pounds. He could read routes. He always puts himself in position to make plays. I mean, this is one of those kids that clearly fell through the cracks down here in Texas. This kid should be playing at TCU, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. He should have been a big 12 player. Clearly fell through the cracks here, but a big, long type of a guy. You know, I, I think that's, you know, some name I'd keep. Keep an eye on it again. This is going to sound crazy because it's again, it's a, it's a probably not a Giants trait, 
It's a kid, Joshua Williams from Fayetteville State. I don't know if you've seen him at all. Yeah, I saw him at the He's a bowl. tall, yeah. long, he's 6'4", 195, tall, long. You put him on either side. But again, you're watching him against Lincoln University and Bowie <laughs> State and people like that. But, you know, he's had opportunity to go with the senior bowl and things like that. So maybe you got a little bit uh, a better idea there. Uh, Woolen, the kid from uh, from San Antonio, another 6'4", 205-pound guy. You know, all these guys are in that range I'm speaking of, that second, third, fourth round range if you don't grab them then. You know, you can talk about prospects when you answer this question, Brian, but I, I feel like linebacker is a position that the NFL has struggled with a little bit, especially off-ball linebacker. Yeah. You know, Patrick Queen, I don't think that's been a hit. You know, go to go to yeah. Murray with the Chargers. He was he got benched last year, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Michael Parsons worked out with Dallas because he's such a good pass rusher. Um, pass rush, yeah. Right, exactly. So I think what do you think the formula is now for finding that good off-ball linebacker where you need to prioritize coverage, but you don't see them play man in college and you're trying to figure out how they're going to translate? What's your process for going through those off-ball linebacks and trying to find guys that are good fits in the NFL? Yeah, I, you know, I think that, that that's, a, that's a great question because now they're in all shapes and sizes. You know, you get, for example, you get a Christian Harris from Alabama who I really, really like. He's 6'1", he's 226. You know, uh, you know, I watched a kid the other day, DeMarco Jackson from Appalachian State, 6'1", 233. You know, and then you watch a guy like a Devin Lloyd, who in my book is, you know, with N'Kobe Dean is one of the top linebackers in the country. And I think that we're all kind of looking for a guy. We're looking for those guys that can. I don't know if the coverage aspect is the most important thing to be honest with you anymore, John, because I think teams are looking for guys that can play the run, get off blocks, make tackles in space. But can you blitz? Can they use you as that extra rusher? And that's when a guy like Devin Lloyd from Utah gets a lot of looks, you know, because, you know, he's always around the ball. They, you know, they put him in, they put him in positions to make plays. He seems to be a complete linebacker. But again, here's a guy that had seven sacks. So all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, I can cover and I could bring you for pressure, you know, They'll, they'll figure out a way to keep a linebacker out of coverage if they have to. They'll feel you know, everybody playing with safeties as linebackers. I yep. mean, the Cowboys do that with Dan Quinn's defense. So, you know, if you have to say, well, he's a good cover linebacker. Oh, okay. Well, how does he blitz? I mean, that's kind of where you've seen these linebackers go now with, like I say, you know, with the Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons would have been, I don't know if Micah Parsons would have been consideration for defensive player of the year if he didn't have the sacks. Micah right. Parsons is a really good player. Micah Parsons is a physical tackler. But Micah Parsons, the pass rusher, seven of his 13 sacks came from a linebacker spot. You know, that's kind of where it wasn't just playing defensive end. It was playing linebacker, too. And I think, I think more people are looking at these linebackers as potential weapons as rushers than they are looking at them as cover guys. You know, Brian, I think, too, this is, like you mentioned, all shapes and sizes. I love this day two group of linebackers. Like I do, too. Mo I do, too. Moma out of Wyoming. I love yes. Troy Anderson out of Montana State. I think he's going to be yeah. a wonderful player, still learning. Quay yeah. Walker, I think, is one of these guys that maybe his full repertoire of skills was hidden a little bit in that yeah. Georgia defense. I think he can do a lot. His teammate Channing yeah. Tindall's pretty good. 
Danny who are your favorite, like, day two linebackers that you think can, you know, really bring it in the way you just described in the NFL? Yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, as I look at, you know, it's un, it's unfortunate that uh, the LSU, LSU kid Clark got hurt mm-hmm. with the spine injury and is out. I mean, he's a tremendous player. But um, Asamora, I think, is a guy you have to look at. I, I, I really do. Brandon Smith, to me, from Penn State. I think is a guy. I mean, you mentioned all the other guys. Oh, and but, by the way, I forgot Christian Harris from Alabama is fantastic. Yeah, I didn't even mention him. Yeah, yeah, I, I mentioned him early because he's a 6'1", 226-pound guy. And, yeah, I mean, he's right there in the mix with those guys that you mentioned. Uh, Chanel, the kid from Wisconsin, he's a little bit of a throwback guy. There's a guy that can rush the passer, is physical at the point of attack. But I mentioned this Brandon Smith from Penn State because – He's like a 6'4", 250-pound guy, and he throws his body around, but, like, sometimes he makes tackles, sometimes he doesn't make tackles. But but that's what we're at with these guys. I mean, there's all these little these traits, these little things that you say, ah, this is keeping him from being a high two or something like that. But, man, the pocket of the round from two to three, and you, you mentioned every one of those guys that, you know, I, I mean – uh, Bernard is another kid. It's a little bit from, from Baylor. Keep an eye on him as well. Maybe a fourth round guy, guy that could cover guy that's always around the ball guy that can blitz. You know, I think that's kind of where we're looking at. I mean, guys that can cover ground run. You mentioned that Troy Anderson too. I mean, don't watch the North Dakota state game. If you know the championship game on Anderson, that'll kind of take you back a little bit like, Oh, maybe he's not as good as players. I thought he did, but. Still, all those guys are all pretty good. Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Kyle Hamilton, let's go rapid fire here to close, Brian. Do you, do you yeah. understand his fall? I, I watched him for her second time today, and... I feel like he can do everything except cover a wide receiver. You know, I don't think that's yeah. going to be his strength. I think he'll get yeah. run past and he can't stay with them with this change of direction. He's long. He's 6'4", you know, high right. hip. You know, I don't expect him to do that. But if you have a safety that can do everything else at a pretty high level, you know, maybe not for me at least, a player like that is is a top five, top seven pick just because of the position. But, you know, these people that are kind of like down on him because of the 40-yard dash time, uh, I just don't see it. Well, I, I, I talked to some people in South Bend about what happened with Hamilton and evidently after the combine, he went home to Atlanta and did nothing for three weeks and then came back and they had that pro day, you know, and I think he was a four five, nine guy at the combine. And then he ran in the four sevens at, at South Bend. So again, prepared, are you ready? All that, are you focused, everything and all that. Kid took from from good Notre Dame sources for me, took time off and it killed him. He should have probably not run. He probably should have just did position drills and stuff like that. But there's a lot of people that, you know, I, I look at him as like one of those old school safeties from back in the crusty day. You know, the big, tall, you know, guy. But I mean, he's so long limbed. And I think playing down are you going to say oh well, we're just going to take a down safety that high you know yeah. i mean i yeah he's got the length to knock down passes play underneath you can blitz him
but are you going to take a down safety that high? I, I could see a lot of people saying, well, wait a minute, I could see Dax Hill from Michigan covering more people and probably being better suited, but Dax Hill is six foot, 191 pounds. There's a little, there's a difference. One kid's six, four, 220, and the other six foot, 191. There's difference there. But, you know, I, I don't think you could just sit there and t- totally discount Kyle Hamilton. I mean, because I, I don't think it's his favorite thing in the world to line up in the slot, but you do see him do that occasionally. And uh, I love his toughness. I think he's got some sure tackle ability. Is that worth taking in the top 10? We'll find out here in about 20 days. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm with you. And I think if, you know, because I don't think he's as good of a prospect as Derwin James, for example, right? And he went, what, like 15 or 16? Yeah, he went right ahead of uh, Dallas because I know when we were doing the draft, we were all for the Cowboys were praying that he would get there. And I think he went to the Chargers one pick ahead of Dallas at that time. It was during the Leighton Van Der Esch draft is what that was, I believe. Yeah, and he ended up being obviously a, a, a fantastic yeah. player. All right, Brian, anything else about this draft really jump out to you? Anybody that we didn't talk about that you want to mention? You know, that's uh, it, it's something it, I think it's going to be really interesting with all these teams in the first round having multiple picks. You know, I don't think that I don't think the Saints are finished moving. I think the Saints are going to try and package, I believe, 16 and 18 and go up again. I, I think that. The, but yeah, I think so. I think they're going to I think they're either looking for one of these offensive tackles, I think, I you know. Or, you know, maybe they maybe they love one of these quarterbacks. Maybe they really do. Maybe they want to get ahead of, of a Carolina at six or something like that. But I think that with all these teams, you just mentioned that the Giants wanting to move down one of those picks. I'll be interested to see the teams with multiple picks stand in there and make one pick, turn around and move the next. And is somebody going to be aggressive enough to go and, and, and bite on that? And uh, Or are teams because of what the salary caps are and – you know, that, hey, we're just going to make these picks. We can't afford not to make these picks. I, I kind of feel like, you know, what you were talking about with the Giants, I think that we're, we're seeing the same thing with the Eagles. I don't think the Eagles see a, a surefire quarterback in this draft. I think they set themselves up for next year when when Hurts doesn't have success and then all of a sudden they're able to take those multiple ones and, and move up. So some teams are already planning for next year as far as the draft goes, but it should be a lot of fun, though, where these players go. I think there's some teams that are probably going to have to – there's maybe some guys that are taken maybe a round early, especially in the back end of the draft, because people are going to feel we can't get back around to them. I'll give you an example for the Cowboys. Sam Williams, the defensive end from Old Miss, Dan Quinn went and worked him out. You know, you think maybe a third-round guy? Dallas might have to make that, at 50, that pick at 56 because he's not going to get back around to them at 88. So, you know, those are the kinds of things kind of keep an eye on that. Interesting. All right. So just real quick, give me your best case scenario based on your board and you know, the giants needs, I'll give them to you again, offensive tackle, you know, defensive end cornerback. Yeah. And and you know what? Safety too. They, they end up letting go of Logan Ryan. What do you think their ideal spots would be here? Assuming they can't make a trade down. What would be the giants for you? Ideal situation for the players they grab at five and seven. Yeah, I think I think it comes down to the tackle or the cornerback. I really, really do. I mean, and I again, I don't I don't have anything against nothing against Stingley. I mean, I know the national championship season when he was a freshman, he was a tremendous player. And, you know, and but he got hurt. 
There's some questions about, did he love football? That's not a, I, to me, that's been answered. Uh, he worked out really, really well. He's showing he's healthy. But if you could come out of this thing with one of those tackles and you guys grab Gardner, I, I would say right off the jump, uh, the, uh, the new, the new uh, era uh, for the Giants as far as coach and general managers off to a really, really good start. And you would stack the tackles for the Giants at right tackle. You would go Neil Cross Equanu. I would go. I would likely go Neil Equanu Cross for right tackle. If you were if you're just going to left, I would go Cross Equanu and Neil is what I would do. Brian, great stuff. Tell the folks where they can find all your stuff. I didn't even mention the draft show off the top, which is your draft show that you do on Dallas. Yeah, Cowboys. we do. Uh, which is we, great. Thank you. I appreciate that. We yeah we have a again. You mentioned one hundred five three the fan. We we're getting into the draft a lot more of talking about that. Uh, there's several podcasts I'm on now. Uh, Trust the tape is a podcast that you can find on one hundred five three the fan. Uh, another one is uh, plug and play with Jeff Cavanaugh that we do that we do a lot of things with Dane Brugler's on that podcast with us. And then uh, what else? And then I've got uh, the the draft show with the Dallas Cowboys on one hundred five. Oh, excuse me, on DallasCowboys.com. So this time of year, if you Google me, you'll probably find me on something I'm doing. From something old like crusty that. to the king of all media, Brian Broaddus. This terrible, man. And then, like I said, hey, I, I, every year you and I just used to talk, and now we're now we're talking about the draft all the time for everybody. So it's, it is nice. So, and I'm, I, I always, every year, look forward to being with you. I really do. Yeah, it's always fun. Brian Broaddus, we thank you for joining us in the Giant Subtle. Everybody stay tuned for more coverage of the draft on all the Giants' social media platforms and our digital platforms as well. For Brian Broaddus, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you next time on the Giants Huddle.